Got car trouble. Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. Good morning and welcome back to the Simmons Car Care Talk Show on 104.9 FM ESPN. And also, we're on AM 1490. The call-in number today is 719-1490. That's 719-1490. This is Brian from Automotive Specialist, better known as Mr. Test First, Don't Guess. Believe it or not, you can Google Test First, Don't Guess, and it'll pick. it'll take you right to our website. It's pretty amazing. So we got that branded in. Anyway, we got some callers on the line. Good morning, Alan. Mr. TFDG and my buddy Gerald. <laughs> Good, morning. Good Saturday morning to both of you. How can I help you? Well, what question. you got for us? Well, Jerry. Uh, at six o'clock, you said that uh, you might consider putting on a clinic, and I'm still got daughters that would love to uh, attend a clinic uh, by you and Brian if you ever decide to do it. Okay, no question. What we'll try to do is I'll get with Brian, and we'll see if we can get that set up this time and follow through on it. I'd love I'd love to uh, have my kids go to that. It'd be great. Okay. Okay, buddy. You guys have a great day. Thanks. Yeah, there's something to be said for. We got another caller. All right, Marlon. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. to you. Uh, my question is: I was getting my oil change at at a oil place yesterday, and while I was there, I wanted to check my transmission fluid, but the mechanic told me that the Toyota that, I'm, that I have, which is a newer body Toyota, that transmission is completely sealed. And so he says that, um, according to Toyota, it's maintenance-free. You should never have to mess with that thing. And I was like, hum. You know, I'm, I'm, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, there, shouldn't there be some type of preventive maintenance? Because when one of those things go bad, I know transmission is not cheap. You might, you know, the price you pay for a transmission, you know, you might as well just buy a new car. So I'm just wondering, <laughs> have you heard of, have you heard of that in, uh, transmission being maintenance free? Oh yeah. I'm wondering, have you heard of, have you heard of that in, uh, transmission being maintenance free? Oh yeah. Yeah, a lot of these newer cars, they're claiming that they are maintenance free and. 
you can't even check the fluid level in them. Right. That's what. I, that's what, that's exactly what I was trying to do yesterday while I was getting my oil change. So, so, so there is so so. In your shop, have you ever serviced a Toyota? Uh, let's see, mine's a twenty. It's a twenty eleven, and I don't know about the newer body Toyotas, but have you run into that issue where there's no preventive maintenance that you can do? You know, because I would like to do something because, like, like I said, when one of those things go bad, it, you know, they're not they're not you know they're not cheap. Nowhere near cheap to to replace or fit. So. That's kind of, I, I don't no, I that. mean your transmission replacement today can ex- exceed five thousand dollars quickly. Right. You know, I just like I had a two thousand six Dodge in here the other day, and uh, you, normally in the past we could call up, you know, pick up the phone, call the dealer, order a transmission, and get it over here and install it. Well, I picked up the phone, called Dodge. But my question and, is, um, oh, go ahead. And they said, well, the transmission's no longer available. And this is a 2006 okay. $1,500. Brian, do you know any way to circumvent the uh, Toyota to get that fluid changed? Some of them you can still flush. But others, you know, if you can't check the fluid level, you're just, you can't do anything. Well, if you... Can can yeah I know and once you pull the fluid out how do you get it back in but if you use the flush machine that should have a little advantage on getting the fluid back to it yeah and some and of them we can flush okay so that one you'll probably have to go to your computer or see the vehicle to see where you can flush it yeah we'd have to get it in and check it out. Yeah, and if you can if you can get it hooked up to the machine, you can pull the fluid out and replace the fluid that way. And that's the only way I know that uh, I would even give it a shot to see if I could do that. The transmission is pretty much bulletproof. Uh, it's it's a good transmission. It's a seal unit, and as long as it, nothing else can get into it and it's protected that much, then it should be a good unit and shouldn't be a problem. But the only way I know that you could possibly do it was if we can get the big fancy flush machines hooked to the lines and suck out the old fluid and put the new fluid back in it at the same time through the lines because there's no access to put fluid in that transfer in that uh, transmission. I think you can go on the bottom of it or something and pull a plug and fill it up from the bottom, but you got to be a contortionist in order to pull it off. So, but that that's the only information that I have on it right now, and, and this is down at Simmons. Uh, you know, well, I can call the guy, but can't get to him until Monday. But you know, but if it's but if it's supposed to be maintenance free, would that would that even be possible? Uh, yeah, on some of the newer cars, it is. Yeah, I mean, because I'm kind it's of, as possible some of the old changes for. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I like your conversation okay. better than mine. Okay. Now I know in the older older model cars, you, there's a there's a dipstick. You check you check it. You know you check it and you see you right. check it that way. But the newer cars is not designed that way. So, but my thing is, you know, I don't want I don't want it to go bad if there's something I can do to prevent it from getting to that point because I I never want to have to pay five thousand dollars to replace a transmission if I don't have to. Absolutely. 
I so, think they're I think they're gambling that the fluid inside of your Toyota is so good that under normal use it should last the lifetime of that vehicle. And I do know that if you keep the fluid changed in an older car, the transmission, unless you abuse it, drag racing or something like that, unless you actually abuse that thing, it will outlast the engine if you keep the fluid changed in the older transmissions. Now, on that new Toyota, hey, there's a lot of lot of uh, changing or changes been made to fluid, and that stuff is pretty doggone solid now. Toyota brand seems to be one of the top of the market, so... Of the vehicles that go over a thousand miles, believe it or not, Toyota and Honda is right in there with them. So, oh, well, what yeah. I need to do yeah, is the I, Toyotas. I now there was a person. There was a person that was in New. I think it was in somewhere in New York where uh, they had they put a. It was a. I think it was a twenty. Uh, I want to say twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen Toyota Tundra, and they, this guy put a mil, over a million dollars. Well, not a million. A million miles on his vehicle, and I was and I. I would love to talk to him, see if he ever had to do something with their transmission. But he put over a million miles on that puppy, and he and then <laughs> then we traded. It's funny when he traded went to the dealership to trade in. They they gave him a new one because they want they looked at that as like a, I guess a trophy vehicle, something like that. So yeah, oh, yeah. Some, um, so anyway, well okay, well that's all I want to know is you know it's like if, you know I always I'm always interested in doing some type of prevent and maintenance. To you know, to avoid to avoid a bigger problem. So anyway, thanks for your time, yeah. Jerry, and I'll let you get a next caller. All right, guy. Good luck with that. All right, my replacement. Hey, hey Jim. Good morning. morning Jim. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Sorry, I'm late, guys. Had <laughs> had the. Uh, Leaving Las Vegas this morning, I was uh, a little sidetracked. It's an hour behind here in Vegas, so it's only um, 6 o'clock now. So my timing is all off. Oh, you're fine. All right, uh, your timing is actually perfect because I've got to leave the station right now and go do the work that I showed up here to do. So uh, welcome you work, aboard, Jerry? Brian. Have a good show. Rest of you, God bless, and have a good weekend. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jerry. Well, good morning, Jim. Welcome to the show. Oh, my replacement. Thanks. Thanks, Brian. I, uh, like I said, I got a little, I got a little uh, sidetracked uh, um, leaving, uh, trying to leave, get out of Las Vegas this morning. So kind of time change kind of threw me all off. I apologize for that. No, you're fine. You're fine. Well, this part of the show is brought to you by Parker Automotive Service Center. They're located at 5101 East Speedway Boulevard. That's 5101 East Speedway Boulevard. They're open Monday through Thursday, 7.30 to 5.30. And Friday, they're open 7.30 to 5. Their phone number is 323-1960. That's 323-1960. That's Parker Automotive Service Center over on Speedway. Give them a call. Well, let's talk about fuel economy and fuel additives. Uh, What to use, what not to use. There's a lot of them out there. You go to your big box store and they've got a whole aisle 
of different additives for your vehicles. Um, some are good. Some are just there. Um, there's a lot of lot of different things. We like, uh, you know, BG products here. Uh, Henry is also good. And, uh, you know, we use those a lot. Uh, and they work. That's the cool thing. They really work. You know, I like the uh, 245 for the uh, diesel. I mean, that stuff, if it wasn't so expensive, I'd run it in every single tank of fuel because when you put it in, I mean, it just it just runs better. It's just it's amazing. Those BG products are really good. I, I've used uh, 44K a bunch of times. Uh, it's a real good cleaning agent, and they uh real good for injector cleaners. Helps uh, keep your lubrication up, get the tips cleaned off, make everything smooth a little bit better. I like the 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 wetter water. I don't, BG, I don't know how BG anymore. They the distributor left. Um, the BG had a wetter water, major water wetter, cooling agent worked good for for that. But uh, I, I like to I like to look at the stuff in the in the big box store there with you, Brian. You know, snake oil derived from the finest snakes available today. Um, and you're right; some are junk. <laughs> some some aren't as good as, as as the gas you're putting in the car. <laughs> the other ones are. I don't want to say the BGs are really good. Yeah, that's complete. That's correct. Absolutely correct. Again, you can call in at seven one nine fourteen ninety. That's seven one nine fourteen ninety. Give us a call. Open lines today. You know, you were talking about injectors, and and we talk about this quite often. Uh, injector cleaning, injector flushing. You know how important is that? Uh, we have a way of doing it with the motor vac machine on your gasoline vehicles. We also have a way of flushing the injectors on a diesel. It's a different procedure than the motor vac, but it works about the same. The thing with the motor vac machine is, is it's its own fuel tank, its own fuel pump. What we do is we hook it into the car and bypass the vehicle's fuel pump. And the car will run right on that motor vac machine all by itself. And what happens is, is we flush the injectors with the engine off first, and that flushes the fuel lines, the fuel injector screens, because on the top of the injectors they've got little screens about, the big, about as big as a pencil eraser. And sediment can deposit on those. I've seen them plugged on some vehicles to the point where it wouldn't hardly run, allow any fuel to go into the injector and get sprayed into the combustion chamber. So big problem, you know. So you run the Motivac machine on the fuel injector rail flush for an hour. And then after that's done, you start the car up and you run the fuel injector flush with the engine running. And then it's cleaning the injector pin tool. And also on your port injected vehicles, it's getting rid of the, it's decarboning the intake in the combustion chamber. Because soft carbons build up on the in, back of the intake valve because of the emission systems, the exhaust gas recirculation and the PCV systems, oil deposits on the back of the intake valve can get bad enough to cause a rough idle, poor has it, you know, poor acceleration, a hesitation, uh, misfire in the worst cases. So by cleaning that soft carbons off that intake, backside of the intake valve, 
you're basically sealing the motor up and increasing the vehicle's uh, vacuum. Because all a motor is is a big vacuum cleaner. Think about it that way. It inhales air and it exhales air. And if you increase the engine's ability to pull air in, increase the vacuum, it's going to run better, get better fuel economy. Lots of good things happen with that. Now we go into the newer cars and their GDI, gas direct injected, where the injector is injecting fuel directly into the combustion chamber. It's not port fuel injected where the fuel's injected to the intake port where the intake valve is. Whole different process, whole different problem, which they're a huge problem. On these GDIs, I'd be getting these things flushed. Well, General Motors recommends every three to 5,000 miles. It's a different way of flushing or motor vacuuming, if you want to call it that. With a GDI, you have to fog the chemical into the throttle body to get it to hit the valves, which it's a different process. We have that machine here as well, and we can do it. But on these GDIs, you know, I've seen them run so rough, and sometimes they've got so much hard carbon on the back of the intake valves that the cylinder head needs to be removed, and you got to do a valve job on it to make the problem go away. But in other cases, like I had a Ford F-150 come in here one time, the GDI, and uh, it had a random cylinder misfire. And it wasn't due to spark plugs, coils, injectors. It was due to carbon. And we flushed. I says, you know, let's, let's do this fuel system flush to it. And we fogged the chemical into that little F-150. And it got better. You know, I, I had my scanner on it, and I had it in Mode 6 data where I can watch the cylinder misfires. And I did a before and after, of course, because I'm evidence-based diagnostics. I want the proof what's going on. Well, I noticed that the misfires decreased after the first fuel injector flush or fogging the chemical into the throttle body. So I called the customer up, and I says, hey, we're moving forward. Things are getting better. Why don't we do this flush again? Because I think it's going to get even better yet. We flushed it the second time, and the misfires were gone. And it ran just great. So lucky for him, he didn't have to get into any serious, you know, engine mechanical repairs on that one. So heads up, if you've got gas-direct injected vehicles, you know, get them flushed. Don't ignore them. Don't just go drive them for 30, 40, 50,000 miles and not do any flushing of the injectors and decarboning of the valves. So heads up on those because they are a problem. So, so when you're Again, you flushing the, call in. when you're, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, wait, so when, you, when you're flushing that, when you're flushing that, you're you're misting that chemical into the throttle body. It it's because the injector's now in the head, not right above the intake uh, port. Correct. That's correct. Okay, yep. So you're yeah, because you're port flushing that port injected. Right. The fuel injector sits in the intake and sprays gas on the intake valve. Direct fuel injected, GDI. This injector is sitting right on top of this cylinder. 
and directs gas directly into the combustion chamber. It does not spray gas onto the intake valve. So in the... And that's so why the, uh, it's such a... And that's so why it's such a big problem. Right. So when you're when you're cleaning the 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 normal the non the normal uh, in, injector that sprays on the back of the intake manifold, you're able to clean the carbon off the intake valve because you get to spray the cleaner right on top of it, right? Exactly. That's called the motor vac. So it, it does it when it does that. Does it do the the does it get back into the port a little bit too? Back into the intake port? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, the injector sits about two, three inches away from the intake valve, so you're cleaning the intake runner, the intake uh, valve, le- and the combustion least, chamber. At least the part right before it. So then the well, um, along with that. So when- Along with that, I mean, when you do a motor vac service, you're supposed to clean the throttle body as well. Oh, okay. Which, there we go. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, when you clean the throttle body and you clean the idle air controller, which is a little motor that runs back and forth, you know, you got to keep those all clean, too. And that's all part of a motor vac service. So so when you're doing that, when when you clean the... When you're when you're doing the motor vac on the on the throttle body, are you is, are you still running the car on the motor vac chemical, or are you running it on the on the gas from the car? No, the throttle body cleaning is done before the motor vac, and then you do the motor vac. Okay, so you so you clean the throttle body, and then do you clean the in, the intake manifold as well, or it, that's part of the, the yes. throttle body cleaning. The chemical goes through the throttle body, through the intake manifold, and into the motor. Okay. So, so does that when you're doing the throttle body cleaning, are you running the you're running the car on the motor vac system, not on the regular gasoline in the car? No. When you do a motor vac, you thr- clean the throttle body first, which cleans the throttle body, the intake manifold, and then you start the car up after you've done the fuel rail flush and run the car with the motor vac machine, and that does the finishing off, the cleaning of the intake in the intake valve. So then when you're, when you're doing a direct injection car, you have to, it takes, does the cleaning of the throttle body and the intake manifold take longer? Because, because the, because you were saying the carbon builds up on the intake manifold or on the intake valve, but it doesn't, it doesn't, um, you don't get to spray the cleaner right on the valve anymore. So does it take longer to do that cleaning? No, it doesn't take longer. That, the tool that we have, it hooks right onto the throttle body, and with the engine running, it's misting the chemical into the throttle body, cleaning the throttle body, the intake, and the intake valve all at the same time Oh, okay. with the engine running. Oh, okay. Very interesting. And yep, so that's a so GDI, what, and a lot of the cars have that today. Right. They, I guess they can do better fuel management. Is that what the theory is? Better fuel ma- management, better fuel economy. They claim a little more power. You know, they're trying to make these motors smaller uh, and, you know, more powerful on top of it. So 
That's all part of the process. Again, you can call in at 719-1490. That's 719-1490. we got open lines today. Uh, we're getting close to the bottom of the hour, so, you know, give us a call. This is Brian from Automotive Specialist. And this part of the show is brought to you by Lens Auto Brokerage. Lens Auto Brokers is located at 2101 North Stone Avenue. That's 2101 North Stone Avenue. That phone number is 628-7500. they got credit union financing available, extended warranties available, one of the largest selections of quality pre-owned vehicles, foreign domestic autos, minivans, mini trucks, full-size trucks, mid-size diesels, Jeeps, and occasionally they got RVs. Brian at Lynn's Auto Brokers says, if we don't have what you're looking for, we'll go find it. Their goal is excellent client service. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 7, Saturday, 8 to 4, or when the last friend leaves. If you're looking for a particular new vehicle, Lens is a broker, and they most likely can save you some money, and they can go find you whatever it is you want. Again, Lens Auto is at 2101 North Stone Avenue. Their phone number is 628-7500. Give them a call. You know, we were talking a little bit about warranties there. Um, extended warranties, yeah. Good thing to have, but are they a good company? You really need to do your homework when uh, you go get one of these extended warranties. They can be a little expensive. You know, they can be two, $3,000. And you need to do your homework and find out what they really do cover. You know, do they cover diagnostics? Do they cover the fluids? Do they cover electrical? What do they cover? What don't they cover? You know, a lot of these places, they don't include the fluids. They don't include the diagnostic time. Um, and like I said before in the first part of the show, they want proof that you did the maintenance on the vehicle because if you don't have proof, you know, I had a... Uh, Gal had a car here that needed a motor, and they were from the East Coast. And they went from here to there to everywhere, you know, from shop to shop to shop. But they didn't have proof that they did their maintenance on the vehicle, so they voided the warranty. It was just that simple. Well, that's a rough day. <laughs> that's a really rough day. That can day. be a real rough day. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, the engine replacement today is quite expensive. It can exceed $5,000 in blink of an eye. Yeah, especially if you're trying to find the mo find the correct motor. And now they're probably opting for a used motor because they didn't want, because they can't afford a new motor. Um, so then you got to find a used motor and then that's a gamble and a risk because even though it may yeah. claim to have 20,000 miles, it might, it might, not be just because that twenty thousand miles doesn't mean it's great. I'm sure you've seen it a bunch of times, Brian. Where just oh, because I, it says twenty thousand doesn't doesn't qualify as being good. That's exactly right. I mean, I had a Dodge in here with a Hemi, and it had a uh, these Hemi's. They got problems with their valve seats and valves and lifters and camshafts and different things and. Uh, if I remember correctly, it had a cylinder number eight misfire, and it was due to me mechanical failure. 
Now, keep in mind, it only had a misfire on one cylinder. I should pull up the history on that thing. It. Uh, this is quite a venture. Let me find the history on this. And anyway, it had a misfire cylinder number eight. We put a motor in it from a reputable motor installing place, and now we've got misfires on cylinder cylinder number four, six, one, seven. Just a random cylinder misfire. I mean, you could sit in the vehicle and put your arm on the door with the window down, and you could feel the thing shaking. You could open the hood, and with the hood up, you could see the hood shake. Wow. Quite irritating. New, remanufactured motor with a warranty. But what was rather irritating about this particular warranty company that built it was they wanted me to do all kinds of crazy diagnostics to figure out you know, what was really going on. I says, well, look, man, it's got low engine vacuum. You have a random cylinder misfire. This thing has got a mechanical problem, probably with the lifters or the valves weren't ground correctly. It needs to be replaced. So we went round and round and round and round with this company. And finally, after a few months and hours months? of diagnostics on this thing, months, a few a few months. Yes, after a few months, you know, it, we finally got to the point where we told the customer that, you know, we're going to need to have this thing get worse so we can prove to this company that they've got a mechanical failure because they just couldn't grasp that they did something wrong. Well, welcome to the world. Something was wrong with it, and we did get a replacement, and voila, everything was fine. But it was kind of irritating, you know. It gets to the point where, you know, do you really want to put a motor in this thing today? You know, if you can't go out and buy one that's any good, do you really want to put one in? So be careful out there. You know, the same goes for transmissions. Like on that 2006 uh, Dodge, we called the dealer and transmission was discontinued. So that particular one we're going to have to get rebuilt. So, yeah, things are changing. Harder to get parts today. Uh, the availability of some of these things, are, it's just not there. I mean, I got an emission sensor for a vehicle this week, and it was the only one in Tucson. One. Wow. So when you're, so heads up on warranty, when you're dealing with your warranty people, do they, do they just email you, or do, does, does anybody ever actually show up from the warranty? place? Do they send like a, an independent guy out to look at the stuff? or? Oh, yeah. They send an inspector out. In Like in that case, we showed the inspector what was going on with this thing, and they just couldn't... The, the company that built the motor just couldn't wrap their head around it. You know what I'm saying? Kind of so crazy. Right. That makes sense. So the inspector that comes out, are they... Are they do they have any, any automotive knowledge, or are they just, just a guy with a you know, with a with a phone and a and a and a pencil going. Oh, okay, they had plenty uh, of automotive knowledge after I was done talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, but did you have any beforehand? <laughs> that was a question. Oh yeah. I mean, cause you, yeah, they're knowledgeable. Oh, okay, because sometimes you get an adjuster who, you know, is sure they know everything. I've seen it, and and you, 
and you try you start explaining to them no 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 you've missed this and this and that and like you said they they don't want to be told they're wrong sometimes some some of them have open minds and they're like oh you know what good point thanks uh, I'm I understand I'm a human being I, I do make mistakes and some are just like nope I'm a robot this is this this box gets checked here that box gets checked and this pin goes in this hole and if it's square and you're trying to put it in round forget it you can't do it so um, yeah in this case sure that wasn't the case he he was quite knowledgeable in fact he was on our side but the uh, company that built the motor they just couldn't wrap their head around it you know i mean I'm oh. in the history on this thing right now, and it, like I said, in Mode 6 data, I could see a slight random cylinder misfire count on all cylinders except number 7. In the beginning, we had a problem with cylinder number 8. Um, engine vacuum cold would fluctuate from 15 to 20 inches. Well, that tells you you got a valve train problem. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, anyway... Like I said on that one, we expected cause was valve, valve guide, valve spring, and or lifters or camshafts. So, heads up. And it, and it was there was just there was a reman motor. They they couldn't figure out that it was a bad product because they never build a bad product. I mean that's well that's what they were trying to claim. But you know, welcome to this world. I mean, again, it's with parts. <laughs> I I got a friend that's a machinist, and. Uh, He's had cases where the valves just snap right off. The head will snap right off. And he said he took four different valves and just took them over to the uh, bench, put them in the vise, and tapped them a little bit with a hammer. And three of the four of the, the heads popped off. And he's had the same thing with lifters, um, where he can buy a set of lifters, and about 50% of them, he, he's got to test them all now. Because about 50% of them, they don't pass the test as far as the compression. So, yeah, this is our new world, you know. You can't, it's like anything. You know, it's hard to buy something that's good. So the, the counterfeit part is now the mainstay part. Because if, if, you're, if you're breaking heads off, off valves, that's pretty serious. That's pretty serious uh, deficiency. <laughs> Something that's supposed to go three hundred thousand miles and it can't it can't even go, be installed without breaking is a um, pre- pretty uh, pretty rough, pretty challenging. Yeah, and it, the same goes for you know we've seen uh, torque to yield bolts won't pass the test. Um, you know rod bolts they won't take the torque and they snap off, you know, it, it's just the quality control is not there anymore. Just not there. You'd think with all this, uh, all the, all the computer control equipment they have and, and everything that's just, you know, that's done by, by computer machines, you'd think that the quality would be better, but that's very disheartening that, that rod bolts and, and valves, you know, something that you take for granted as being a, a constant, you know, put them on and they work. You don't have to. You don't have to question them. That's that's pretty tough to have to start thinking about. Hey, this doesn't work anymore. Yeah, it's it's just the new norm. New norm. 
So again, you can call in at 719-1490, 719-1490. This is Brian from Automotive Specialist, Mr. Test First, Don't Guess. Again, we're located at 3611 West Ina Road. That's in the Michaels Bookman's Plaza, southeast corner of Ina and Thornydale. Our phone number is 572-1734. That's 572-1734. You can also go to our website, which is automotivespecialistaz.com. You can go there, you can read about us, and you can schedule an appointment. Why don't you tell them where you're at? Oh, it's a, Your phone number, this, Jim. <laughs> well, I usually do Super Safe Saturday, but I, I kind of blew that this morning since I didn't make it here on time. Anyways, Frontier Towing, uh, 520-748-1100. You need something towed or hauled, trucked across the country. Eh, I don't want to truck across the country today, but truck most anything anywhere. Um, uh, big or small cars or trucks or RVs, uh, anything you need to get done. Move containers and I moved move a bunch of gun safes in my life, moved a bunch of everything. So... Yeah, you even took my dad's tractor to the Pima County Fair. So, his tractor, the the tractors, yeah, backhoes and backhoes and loaders, and did. Uh, I hope I hope you got that worked out uh, good, Brian. That um, we we took it to the fair when they were doing the fair, or um, when they still had dead tractors at the fair. I forget. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, when we when they still had the powers of the past at the Pima County Fair, we'd go out there and. Didn't have a trailer, so we just called you up, and you went and got the tractor and hauled it out there. Hauled it out there, yeah. And they, they, for people who don't know, they used to do a, uh, an old tractor or old engine event out there at the fairgrounds, and they the they'd hook the tractors up to a plow, and they'd and the, or what's a plow? It's a tractor pull and plow, and they, these old guys had they had little garden tractors and stuff. It's quite entertaining. Um, they they'd pull the they'd pull the sled around and and see how far they could go and. Some of them go quite quite well. It was it was quite entertaining, very entertaining, very impressive for the old machines that are still running today. Yeah, you can over medicate. We call it. Um, you want to, like the BG44K, that'll treat about 25 gallons. Uh, you don't, you know, more is not better. So, you know, you want to fill the tank up, then add the fuel cleaner, and then run the tank down to about a quarter of a tank. And then you're good to go. You know, I suggest to use the 44K at least annually. Um, it's a good cleaner and, and keeps the things running great. You bet. All right. And, uh, you know, the check engine lights, uh, there's a lot of different reasons that, that those lights can come on. Like I said, we got the one car here that's got about 20 different codes in it. I find it hard to believe, like I said, that the car's got 20 different problems. Um, so, like I said, we got into checking for voltage because you are driving a computer with wheels and you have to have the proper voltage going to the computer so the, vo the voltage can leave the computer and then be sent back and processed. So it's 
like I say, always best to test first, don't guess. And in this case, with that car, we're going to figure out why we have a voltage drop. And once we figure that out, then we can clear the codes, retest. And I would say that there's a good possibility that most of those problems could go away. Um, in other cases, you know, people, they'll scan the the computer for the vehicle, and they'll say, well, it's got a code for an oxygen sensor. And then they'll say, well, let's go buy an oxygen sensor. Well, in my mind, and I've proved it, there's just way too many oxygen sensors sold out there that weren't needed. Again, it's test first, don't guess with these things. You know, it's not a complicated test. I mean, you can go down with a voltmeter, and you can graph all this out, you know, the sensor works on a one-volt scale, and it's supposed to sweep from 0.2 to 0.8. It's the upstream sensor. 0.2 to 0.8 is supposed to sweep back and forth. Well, if you've got a big vacuum leak, which sets your dreaded lean codes, the P0171 and 174, you know, if you've got lean codes, it doesn't mean go buy a new oxygen sensor. Find the problem. There's about 20 different reasons a lean code can be set, and that only one of those 20 is go buy a new oxygen sensor. Okay? So if you've got lean codes, it's probably due to a vacuum leak, or what we call unmetered air going into the engine, which can be a lot of things. It could be a vacuum hose. It could be the rubber pipe going to the throttle body from the air cleaners got a crack in it. We've seen that a lot. And we've also seen a lot where people will go tape those things up to try and fix them and stop the unmetered air going into the engine. That doesn't work. You need to replace them. Because you've got a mass airflow sensor registering the amount of airflow going into the engine. And all the air going into the engine needs to pass that mass airflow sensor. If it doesn't, and you have a vacuum leak or unmetered air going into the engine, it'll set a lean code. So heads up, you know, you need to be checking these things properly for the vacuum leaks. And really why, like I said, evidence-based diagnostics, it is a noise. Well, I got this code, go buy that part, and it'll fix it. Seen it way, way too many times. I mean, I, <clears throat> I had a vehicle come in here years ago. The guy spent in excess of $1,500 on this little S10 trying to fix it. He replaced the computer. He replaced the distributor. He replaced all kinds of sensors. Didn't fix it. So we get it in here, and yeah, it's a crank no start. Well, as I say, test first, don't guess. Let's find out what's really going on. Well, come to find out, there was no power coming from the ignition switch to power up the computer. Haven't seen that before, huh, on a Chevy? Yeah, General Motors has problems with ignition switches. So we we cure the problem with the power going to the computer. We've got spark now. We've got fuel. Still won't start. Or no, let me back up. We didn't have we didn't have fuel. We did have spark. 
he because he put in the new computer, it set the anti-theft system, and it disabled the fuel pump. So we had to program that, and then we got in, and we had spark, we got fuel, but it still was a crank, no start. Well, he indexed the distributor incorrectly. He had it 180 degrees out. So we also had to pull the distributor, re-index the distributor, and then the vehicles would start and run. But now let's back up to the, what was the real problem in the beginning about a $100 ignition switch. And he would have had to spend probably $100, $150 worth of tests and labor to put that switch in. So less than $300 is what it could have been. But because he didn't want to test first, don't guess, he spent over 1500 It's up to you, you know, how you want to go about it. Give us a call, 719-1490. 719-1490. Open lines today. This is Brian with Automotive Specialist, Mr. Test First, Don't Guess. That's, uh, that's an expensive tuition system. Yeah, he he was embarrassed as to, you know, how how he went about, you know, trying to fix this thing. So it was oh, interesting. Ever- we all learn at different rates. I mean, and for each time you learn, there's a there's usually a cost associated with it. So um, that, that's kind of a that's kind of pricey. That's even pricey for the U of A. I mean, man, that's fifteen hundred bucks just to 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 change a bunch of stuff and find out that it was, you know, no power. That's a that's a rough one. The um, yep. I've seen it happen too often. You know, that's why I say you got to get in there and make sure you got the right voltages. Make sure you got a battery that's good, an alternator that works the way as it should. You know, good cable connections, good wiring connections. I mean, more often than not, you know, I've seen. You know, it's not always the part that fails. It could have been the connection. Uh, you know, connectors get corrosion inside of them, and especially if somebody takes a pressure washer to the motor, don't ever do that. You inject water into these connectors, and corrosion will come a, come a call in here. You know, shortly afterwards, and then you've got all kinds of problems because everything you know works off a of voltage, and some is very low voltage. And you've got signal out, signal return, and they need to be, you know, good connections. Oh yeah, I've, I can tell you, we've seen on our own trucks where the the connectors, uh, the the connection is okay, but the wire breaks at the connector in the inside the plastic. So because it vibrates. Um, uh, you can pull the connection apart and it's clean and it's tight, but the wire actually starts to break where they where they crimped it together. Probably because, well, they didn't crimp it properly or they over crimped it, and so that it starts a fraying process. And then over time, those the wire starts each each wire of the of the strand starts breaking until so you get like one left. And so you get a voltage, but you can't get any power out of it because there's not enough to make yep. any connections. <laughs> That's where you got to get in and do the pinpoint test. You know, you got power to it on, you know, both on the back side of the connector and at the connector where it meets the part. 
you know, you got to make sure all those connections are good and the voltage is there. Uh, very important. You know, you say a lot of vibration and different things going on. That's, you know, where you get back to these engine mounts on some of these vehicles. You know, uh, all these front-wheel drive motors, um, they put a lot of stress on those engine mounts. And if you got a broken engine mount and the motor's moving excessively, you're constantly pulling on that engine wire harness. And after time, it can damage it. You know, I've seen bad engine mounts cause electrical issues. Another thing that'll do it, like we said before, engine leaks, oil leaks, valve covers leaking all over the place. Well, the wire harness sits right next to it. Now you've got that soaked with oil to the point where, you know, the inside of the conduit's just full of oil, and it it damages makes the uh, insulation on the wire swell up, and after time it just falls off, and now you've got wires touching each other. Huge problem. I've seen many times, uh, like I had an old Dodge in here where it had an oxygen sensor problem. And what all started this was he had an antifreeze leak. The intake manifold was leaking. Now the wire harness, it went down the back side of the engine, to the transmission and the oxygen sensors. And he had one that just flat wasn't working. And the antifreeze got inside of the split loom. It's an accordion split loom that holds all the wires together and keeps it protected from rubbing on something and rubbing a hole through the insulation. In this case, the antifreeze got inside of there and it roded the wires. And one of, one of the wires was bare and touching another wire, causing the sensor readings not to be correct. I mean, this was that was a hard find, believe it or not. And finally, it got to the point where, you know, I found the problem, but in order for me to fix it, I was going to have to pull the transmission out, and I didn't want to do that. So in wow. this case, I says, well, this is what I can do here. I'll run two new wires down to that sensor. And that's exactly what I did. I ran two new wires down there, which was easier than pulling a transmission out. So there is alternatives. You kind of got to think like a MacGyver as to, you know, what's the easiest way to fix this, you know? And in this case, too, on that Dodge, <clears throat> the guy had replaced all the oxygen sensors. That was first thing he did, rather than do the test for the voltage. And it didn't fix it. So it's something to think about. Are yeah, we coming up to the top of the hour? Again, you can call in at 719-1490. That's 719-1490. It's open lines today. We're coming up to the top of the hour here. We've got only, what, about 8, 10 minutes left. I wouldn't want to be uh, pulling the transmission to string new wires. That would have been a that would have been a rough one. I, I, <laughs> that that'd be a tough that would be a tough order. To well, in some the... cases on these wiring repairs, that's you know, you got to look at it that way. You know, it's it'll take me hours and hours and hours to, you know, pull the transmission or access the wire harness to fix it. You know, in some cases, it's just easier and cheaper to just run new wires, 
you know, which I've done many, many times for multiple reasons. Yeah, when you, when you talk about uh, like injector harnesses, like on our trucks, uh, the the harness runs in under the in the valve cover, so the valve cover gasket is has the harness in it. So the half the harness lays in the motor, and half the harness lays out of the motor, and so it it they fail routinely because they're well they're hot, they're laying in oil, um, they get they the connectors break all the time. And then to figure their sandwich between the the valve cover and the head, so because that's because that's the valve cover gasket. Um, yep. And the, and they lay on top of the injectors, so that's a real common problem for for the medium duty trucks. And so that's and of course it's not cheap either. That harness is like nine hundred dollars for the just to take it just to get the part if you can get it. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. I'm sorry, what? All right. Well, let's bring him on. Hello, Bob. How you doing? Doing great. Okay. Uh, how's the car coming? How can I help you? I just want to know if they've well, got power brakes on a 69 Charger yet. You know, I've run into a problem with the uh, proportioning valve, the brake fluid metering valve. Yes, yes. I can't buy one. Uh-oh. But I did find one online. I okay. called the company, and... Uh, I'm waiting for them to call me back. That was Friday afternoon. Okay. There's uh, with this particular car, you know, in the past you could just run to your local store and buy one, but I I've been trying to source one out for days. Uh, I did get one, and it was incorrect. Uh, there's universal ones out there, and I don't want to use those. I want to use the one that belongs on the car because that's Absolutely. the way I am. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I'll find one. There's got to be one out there, but uh, I'm waiting for that company to call me back. I was in queue on hold for close to an hour, and then I finally got to the point where I just left them a message, and hopefully they'll call me back. It is the correct part number, and it did say in stock. So we'll see what happens on Monday on that deal. But other than that, all the other work on that car is done. Done. That's great. (laughs) Okay, Brian. Yeah, the vacuum, you later. The vacuum brake, the vacuum brake booster as well. We did do a test on it, and it does hold oh. vacuum. So oh, the booster is okay. Yeah, we need just need to get that metering valve, and then go in there and readjust the brakes because that is four wheel drum brakes. Uh, yes, there's an old school. Yes, and it's a there's an old school way to adjust the brakes on those, and I know how to do that. My dad taught me, and. Uh, all right. Get those things up and adjusted great. That's why the car is in your shop. Yep. Get it done right. You okay. Better. I just got, got an update, and that's all I needed. Thank right you, on. Brian. You have a great Enjoy week. Enjoy your show. We'll be in touch next week. Well, thank okay, you. Okay, bye. Bye. Yep, bye-bye. Yeah, I mean, these are some of the problems that we're getting with these older cars, you know, sourcing out parts. I mean, it's it's getting harder and harder. I mean, like on my F-150, you know, I 
went ahead and I bought some things that I knew they were going to discontinue in the near future, you know, like the HVAC control head. I bought it. Um, you know, sun visors, they fail after time. You know, so I bought a couple of new sun visors. I've got them just sitting here, you know. Uh, door latch, and different parts, you know, that I know will wear out and I'll end up needing in the future. I've just bought them because I'm scared they're going to discontinue. And if I got them on the shelf here, then I can use them in the future because we're going to keep that truck. You know, we've replaced about everything on it. It's like a new truck, even though it's a 2004. So that's what we're up against these days, parts, parts availability and quality parts. So your your charger, were you trying to put power brakes on it? Is that what you're doing? No, the it's... Some other shop put a new booster, new master on it, and oh, okay. wheel cylinders and hoses and all different things, and it, it just doesn't want to stop. And we're down to the metering valve and adjusting all the brakes up the way they should be, and it should be just fine. Like I said, I can make four-wheel drum brakes stop like disc. It's just a matter of, you know, adjusting them properly. Yeah, they're a little tricky sometimes. <laughs> My old Challenger had had drum brakes, and we used to go. I used to do them all the time. Uh, but I right. finally gave up the ghost and put a, put a booster on it and put put some disc brakes on it so, so I could drive it correctly. Well, I was seventeen. I you know I I knew I needed to stop it even then. <laughs> so, right. It's uh. Yeah, you got to be able to stop, or you'll have to find something soft to hit, right? Yeah, or 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 you'll just or you'll pick. You don't get a pick what you hit. Sometimes you just you're driving and you don't stop. You don't even get a pick. You just you just hit something. We call that driving right. by braille. So um, you know yeah. you just kind of feeling your way around there, and uh, not a good way to go. Not a good way to go at all. Nope. You got to be careful. About not that. at all. <laughs> well, we're coming up to the top of the hour. How much time we got left here? I guess we're at the top of the hour. I guess we're at All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll be back talking to you next week. Bye-bye.